Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Off Air. I feel as though there's a need to do it in a more formal way today because of the setting fee. Is oh, that okay? Gosh. Okay, well, how could we do it? Uh, I've my, just done it. My liege. My liege. Welcome. Well, how yes. are you going to do this? You're going to need to sit down. Do you want me to move? Jane is currently tethered to a piece of equipment yeah, hang on. that is stopping you from sitting down. Right, get on your swivelly stool. And I feel very much like I'm one of those American uh, TV newscasters because they quite often they perch they perch and they have this Madonna style headset with the microphone and they bring you news in a very very high octane way don't they we don't need to be high octane though you know why because we're British (laughs) we're British and we're currently overlooking Westminster Abbey uh, which as many people listening to Off Air will know is a big abbey in the centre of London can you hear the siren Uh, as we speak it is Thursday evening so it's the evening before the coronation in approximately 36 how many hours away is it well just say it's Thursday and the coronation's on Saturday on Saturday that'll do Um, and we have just done our Times Radio show um, which was good fun today and actually Actually, what has been noticeable is that as the day has progressed, uh, people, even some of our colleagues who perhaps are not monarchists, have just become a little bit more excitable, haven't they? And it's partly, and I, I put myself in the category of already pretty much signed up to the monarchy. I mean, I've got, um, you know, listen, there are things I'd like to carp about, of course, questions I would like answered, but on the whole... I think I'm a monarchist to the extent that I just can't think of a better alternative. Well, I was going to ask you, actually, Jane, about your relationship to the monarchy, because I can't work it out at all. No, I, I'm not because sure. Sometimes on the, one hand, <laughs> on the one hand, I think you're very... Uh, you, you can be uh, a little dismissive of, yes. some of, uh, of some of their... Well, listen, some of them don't even merit being dismissed, do they? Let's some face of their it. points. Yeah, we've been handed a piece of paper. Is that saying stop talking like this? Be nice. Okay, no, thanks okay, very that's much. Good. Yeah. Uh, but then you, you've got that funny thing going on where you can't bear to let anything that happens in the royal family pass you by. Completely. You're yeah. obsessed with knowing yes. everything about them. But then I think you're slightly sickened <laughs> with knowing everything about them. Yes, <laughs> there's, there's some of that that's true. But most of all, um, yeah. as I think I tried to explain this to Matt Chorley the other day, um, I just like big occasions. And the thought of missing out on a big occasion would just grind my gears to such a degree that it's always better in my experience to 
be around the big event. So hence, you and I find ourselves on a balcony at the Methodist Central Hall, right in the very centre of Westminster here in London. And as we look below, there are all those, if you're not familiar with the United Kingdom and we appreciate people listen to Off Air all over the world and some of you listen for nostalgic reasons because it reminds you of home. This is an archetypal London postcard going on underneath us, isn't it, down there? It it's is, great. and if you turned the colour down on it and uh, you just slightly removed the very high-tech equipment we can see in front of us, it could be London from the 1940s, from the 1950s, all the way through until today. Because in this part of town, Jane, nothing does change. You know, the you won't be able to put up a, a great big spangly new office block or whatever. This is the heart of historical London, isn't it? You'd have to go right the way over to the city uh, to find parts of London as old and established as this. And for lots of people who come and visit the city, this is the first place they'll come to. I've not, I've not, I've, I've not uh, finished with my monarchy questions though for you. Oh, oh God. Okay. What do they actually mean to you? Uh, it's just I love. I love the gossip. I like the pomp. I do actually occasionally find it emotionally quite moving. I thought that you know the Queen's death was, in many ways, a, a moment none of us will ever forget. You and I won't forget it because we were at the National Pet Awards. But we've talked about that, and we don't want to revisit that. Although it was, I have to say, an unforgettable <laughs> evening that will <laughs> enough <laughs> that we're not we're not going back there now. But I do find um, I think it. I think what it is is I je- to go back to what I said earlier. I don't know what I'd replace them with, and the idea other news. No. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm talking about a head of state, and it would be, do we want anything other than a monarch? I mean, look, everybody else in the world seems to cope perfectly well without one. I absolutely get it. Should they have 950 separate country estates? No. no. And, you know, should and they pay inheritance tax? Yes. If this was to be the last really um, elaborate pageantry emblazoned coronation in Westminster Abbey. You know, if by the time the Prince of Wales, William, is crowned king, there's much more of a, you know, out-of-town conference, Mm. hotel vibe about it. In the Radisson Blue. Would that be a good thing or a bad thing? Well, I tell you what will be really interesting is, the truth is, we don't remember, we weren't around when the last coronation happened. And it was an age of, you know, barely... At any television coverage even. So I think it'll be fascinating to see how everything that unfolds on Saturday goes down with people watching it on TikTok, Instagram and various other methods of modern communication uh, and coverage. And I, if they like what they see, then I expect there'll be much more of it. If they're completely horrified and think the whole thing's cobblers, then it might have to be reassessed. I think there are going to be some memes doing the rounds, aren't there? Well, I would agree, but I slightly worry about that matrix of popularity. You know, if there's a picture of a fantastically, elaborately dressed yeoman of the guard doing something crazy, or a little bit crazy, uh, you know, whilst walking alongside a, a bejeweled coach that suddenly goes viral all across the Insta, and that is a re- <laughs> for somebody to go, yeah, we'll definitely commission another one of these. <laughs> I just, I'm not sure about well, that. All right, <laughs> let's see. Um, it is interesting it, it, when you're here and you've got a great view of the London skyline and the, indeed the London, the sky over London. 
the number of planes are just extraordinary, aren't they? I mean, it's I, a busy city. Yeah, it is a bit. There won't actually be planes overhead on, on Saturday during the service. No, and uh, as Rupert Bell was saying, actually a very cloudy forecast does mean that you might have to stand down the Red Arrows and the other formations that uh, are always due to do their fly-pasts after the Royal Family merges onto the balcony, which for lots of people will be incredibly disappointing because that is always quite a sight, isn't it? Yeah, the noise of a fly-past, though, can make the whole of London shake, can't it? Well, it can. I always see them coming in uh, where we live in East London, because often, Jane, I they didn't know they went you. over East London, actually. Do they bother with it? Don't be such a snob. Well, That's just because they don't go over West London. And oh, you're but they do? At that. No, they do. Do they? Yeah. They come to East London first. I very much do. <laughs> but I always rather enjoy that because you look up into the sky and you think, oh, I'm, I am slightly connected to something that's happening. Yeah. Mm. Uh, further down, further down west. Mm. Further down west. Yeah. Well, from us. Oh, I see. When, yeah. they, when they come over. Oh, yeah. do pay attention. Sorry. So I'm still concerned about the clock. I'm not going to let this drop. It's just ticking very, very slowly. Somebody does need to get it fixed. I worry that no one's noticed, Jane. It's the clock on the face on the left tower of Westminster Abbey as we're looking at it. Uh, it said seven minutes to five when we arrived at three o'clock. And it says two minutes to five now. Yeah. It's not it's annoying. For three hours. It is annoying. Um, it is when you think about the history of the place, and um, I mean, I'm not going to uh, lie to you. We've had this sort of crib sheet supplied to us of interesting, fun facts. And uh, William the Conqueror was crowned in Westminster Abbey. You know, it's quite some time ago. Um, and the likes of Jacob Rees-Mogg will be horrified to discover that the man was French. Was he? I, I can't, honestly. I know, and it's just, you know, it's horrific. So thank goodness we've arrived at a, a situation where at least we have a king who's sort of a bit German. And I was going to say whose dad was Greek. <laughs> there's quite a lot of non... And a bit Danish. Uh, English going on in there. We should also say that tomorrow there's a bonus edition of the podcast, isn't there? There certainly is. In fact, we're doing so many of these bonus editions, they're hardly a bonus. But anyway, tomorrow's uh, features an interview you've done with... Emma. Emma Bridgewater, yep. uh, who is uh, a, a pottery queen. And uh, I think if you picture a Bridgewater cup, it's one of those quite sturdy, small teacups, usually emblazoned with some kind of motif of uh, nature and uh, very English things, actually. All the pottery comes out of the potteries in Stoke. And she is definitely the queen of the commemorative mug. So ever since the mid-1980s, she's been making commemorative mugs for every event in the royal family, from the marriage of the Duke and Duchess of York all the way through uh, to quite a few pieces, actually, for the king's coronation. Uh, And because she's been quite involved in some of the charity work that the king has done in the Prince's Trust in Stoke, uh, she has got to know the king and his family. Uh, So she's very interesting, actually, especially about how welcoming everybody should be about uh, a blended family being on very, very public display now. Mm. Because one of the things that sets the coronation apart on Saturday is the fact that the Queen Camilla will have members of her family in attendance who obviously were never destined to be part of the royal family. No, and one of her grandsons has broken his arm. I believe so. Yes, but is going to manfully take part with just the one arm. I mean, you do feel for everybody who's got... I mean, you and I, well, I'm talking about, I could not be trusted with any kind of role involving an orb, a crown, a sword, or any kind of spurs. Just don't don't involve me, because I'd just no. get it all wrong. I put them you in the wrong place. You would get it wrong. And if I was involved in any sense uh, in that level of 
really serious ceremonial stuff, I'd just get the giggles, Jane. Well, it is, I really it would. is tempting, I isn't really it? Yeah, would. but you can't let that happen. No. I, I mean, I won't, but I've yet to be invited. So, oh, well, yeah, I mean, it's very much in our imagination that you drop the orb <laughs> and that I corpse. That'll be my anxiety <laughs> dream at about 5.25 tomorrow morning. Really looking forward to it. OK, so look out for tomorrow's bonus podcast, which also features a conversation I had with a woman called Julie Montague, who is American. And she actually was going on. She'd been on a few dates with this British chap who she quite liked. And then she discovered uh, that he was, in fact, the heir to the Earl of Sandwich. Yeah, could happen to anyone. Hasn't happened to me so far. Has happened to Julie Montague. And yes, I do ask her, um, bearing in mind that one day she's going to be a sandwich, uh, which one her favourite uh, would be. Lovely. Yeah, well, I thought it, was, thought it was a really imaginative thing to do. She didn't seem that whelmed by it, to be honest. But anyway, I did ask her. So that's tomorrow's Off-Air podcast. Everything this week has a kind of regal celebratory theme. But Hope. don't worry, we'll be back in the land of the commoners next week. Oh, we'll be as commoners, Mark, by the time next week rolls round here. Yeah, absolutely. Back to normal service next week. So our big guest this afternoon was Lord Soames, Nicholas Soames, who has been a friend of the King's for many, many years. They met uh, some time ago. We should say Nicholas Soames is a former Tory MP. Uh, he's now a member of the House of Lords. And he first met the King when they were very young lads. And he began by telling me about a childhood memory of his. Um, his childhood was fairly exceptional, it has to be said, because his grandfather was Sir Winston Churchill, a name fee familiar to many, I think it's fair to say. And Nicholas Soames has a wonderful memory of his grandfather, who was then the Prime Minister, and his grandmother, Clementine Churchill, leaving 10 Downing Street for the late Queen's coronation back in 1953. I do have a memory of the day in that my grandparents uh, left Number 10 Downing Street in their carriage, and I remember my sister Emma and I being on the doorstep and watching and waving them off. And this absolutely extraordinary, I remember my grandmother looked absolutely wonderful in this beautiful petunia colored robes of the Dame Commander of the British Empire. And my grandfather, I think, I think was in garter, he was in garter uniform. Now he was the Queen's first Prime Minister. He was the Queen's first Prime Minister, yeah. And he was quite an elderly gent at that time, wasn't he? I can't remember how old he was. Uh, he was, you know, there's a charming story. Jock Colville in his diaries, who was Churchill's private secretary, said that he found my grandfather in floods of tears after the king had died. And when he, and they were talking about it, and he was terribly worried, my grandfather, that he wouldn't be able to help the queen because he was so old. But of course, in fact, it worked. It was the most marvellous relationship by all accounts. He loved being with her, loved it. And there was a marvellous thing of saying that um, someone listening outside the door, not listening outside the door, but could hear the peals of laughter coming from... from um, I think they mostly talked about racing together. And actually, I think the late Queen broke protocol and went to your grandfather's funeral. She did. It, she, she was an unbelievably gracious uh, and moving gesture. And not only did she do that, she arrived before my grandmother and she was in her place when my grandfather's coffin arrived which was absolutely, I remember even when I was 16, I was just even then thinking, this can't be the right way around. But the Queen was there first. My grandfather served six of the kings and queens of Britain, and he was commissioned into the British Army in the reign of Queen Victoria, and he was the Queen's first Prime Minister. You know, that is a, a tremendous spectrum of history. And I think 
although the Queen actually, you know, quite regularly, I think, didn't agree with my grandfather, I'm sure, because my grandfather had views that probably um, that she thought were possibly outdated, I don't know. But she clearly listened very carefully to everything that he said. But I think she immensely uh, respected his knowledge and, and of the history and the sort of tapestry of the history of the country and the social history as well. So on May the 6th, you will be at the coronation this time. I will. I'm very honoured to be there. Of the King and also of your friend. And that's, that's probably very significant. What, what will that be like for you? It's going to be, uh, uh, I'm a terrible, I come from a family of terrible blubbers. I mean, we're inveterate blubbers. It'll be a very moving and powerful occasion. And the service of the coronation is in itself. I mean, I've read the order of service of the last coronation. And the words and the symbolism are unbelievably powerful. And, and they're powerful for all time. They really are powerful. They're not, you know, they're, they're very old words, but they're very well suited to the modern setting, the oath that the king will take for everything is absolutely it's 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 an extraordinary thing about the british sort of constitution and the way it's all put together that it's completely elastic it seems to have coped incredibly well down the years so it'll be a very moving occasion and i've i've i you know i've been very fortunate to know the king for a very long time and we met when we were 12 and i'm 75 and he's now 75 too i think I've watched him and, you know, he, he has, I don't suppose anyone has ever inherited the throne or any position better informed or better equipped to do it than he has. And so, I, I mean, in a way, you know, one is looking at the, the sort of culmination of years of preparation. I mean, he certainly, of course, I mean, I thought his words after his mother died, after the Queen died, were incredibly powerful and very steadying. And he knows that he's stepping into very big shoes, very big shoes. But he's his own man. Well, he really is. And he's, really he's is. doing so at the age of 75. And the Queen, I've seen footage of the Queen's coronation. And she was um, very charismatic, 26-year-old, beautiful young woman. And it is hugely moving. Um, there's no doubt and this isn't being ageist because I'm no spring chicken myself, but the coronation of a 75-year-old man is, is a very different, very different prospect. No, I Am think I being unfair? I think that's true. I mean, in, in the same way that the coronation of the Queen took place under very different circumstances to the coronation now in terms of, of Britain's position at the end of the war and rationing and pretty dour state of affairs... It was a great golden beacon in our lives. There's no doubt about it. It isn't quite that, because it was a full of promise and hope. And, you know, my grandfather saw it as the, the new Elizabethan era. And um, so this isn't quite the same thing. Of course it's not the same thing. But people are carping, aren't they, um, inevitably, about such an opulent occasion at a time when so many people in this country are having a tough time. Do you know, I, I don't think, I mean, you, you, will, you know, if you go to find someone who will carp, you'll find someone who will carp. I don't detect much carping. I think the British love ceremonial. I think they expect it to be what it will be, which is the most extraordinary, splendid, magnificent occasion with all the panoply of the British state. After all, this is the single most important thing that the state does or the state does, that the church does, is to 
crown uh, to 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 um, supervise a coronation, and I think people will love it. And I should be very surprised if the audience around the world isn't absolutely enormous and in this country. But of course, you know, and that's why I think the king has been at pains, and I, everyone associated with this thing has been at pains, to actually say. Not that we don't, that people call it dumbing down. It's not dumbing down, but it will be slightly less, um, uh, uh, um, uh, I imagine, than the last coronation, because in the last coronation we had a million men under arms. So, I mean, the actual number of soldiers and, yes. and, and, and the, the, you know, the, whole, the every, uh, every Commonwealth country sent a huge detachment of troops. I mean, I do remember going to Hyde Park, which is where the, Royal Canadian Mounted Police were quartered, and there they were, the, the Mounties. With the, and I just never forget the smell. I can remember the smell now. Absolutely wonderful. What was sort the smell of what? The horses Mounties? and canvas and, yes, yes, and yeah. leather, soap leather and swords and, you know. So we will see some of that. Yes, this you'll see, you will see some of that, but not on... This is the thing, the comparison I was trying to make. This is not, I mean, this is not going to be the same as was the Queen's no, and has the king talked to you um, about how he feels about this? Very, very um, well. I mean, it's a huge responsibility he's about to bear. He's already bearing it, of course. But has he ever expressed any doubts about any of this? No. Um, when I say when you say doubts, I don't think doubts. I mean, there's a sort of inevitability to it, but not doubts. It's going to ha- it's going to happen. The king has always been very, very at pains. To I think the the point he made about you know there are going to be several people from other faiths there, I think that's terribly important. I mean all that is going to be new and very much reflective of Britain as it is today, as opposed to Britain as it was seventy years ago. I've never actually discussed. I mean he 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 as a person he takes these things very very seriously, and you will see in the service where he has laid his hand on it. I mean particularly. In the music, I mean the music. He's commissioned several new pieces of music, um, the orchestras which he has been patron for over sixty, fifty, sixty years are all going to be played. There are going to be eight. There are going to be musicians from eight different orchestras with whom he's associated are going to be playing under the direction of Sir Anthony Papano. And I was very, I was, I was, I, I know what Sir Anthony meant. I saw him interviewed, and he said it will be music to touch the soul, and I think it will be. And I think, to your, to your point about carping, there will always be people who, for one reason or another, don't want this to happen. But by and large, I think people will rejoice in it. And I think they will... It's a good moment for us, because we do do this very well. I don't know what you thought. I mean, I thought that the, the, the Queen's funeral was the most astonishingly organised beautifully run, not a single mistake, foot perfect. Yes, uh, but that, in a way, uh, it was a reflection of her and yes. this incredible presence that she'd been in all our lives. Mm. But she was also a person who was an, a, a bit of an enigma. I mean, I think she, she kept her own feelings very much to herself, her own opinions. We never knew what they were. Um, her son, the king, is, is a very different character and I wonder, he has in the past been accused of meddling. He said himself he'll change now. He'll have to change because that's what this new role brings, brings with it. 
Um, how is he about all that? He was asked by someone this very question, I think, just before he, he inherited the throne. And he said, well, you may think I'm very stupid, but I'm not that stupid. Of course, he knows that he has to change. He can't possibly, I mean, the constitutional requirements are such, and he is a stickler for the constitutional requirements. And can I just say that on the question of meddling, that was the most overdone piece of hype that I've ever heard. I mean, i do give you an example of it. I was Minister of State for the Armed Forces at the time, and the king, uh, Prince Wales, as he then was, went on a visit to Hong Kong. And he was shown round one of the barracks in Hong Kong, and the, uh, the accommodation was definitively below par. And when he got back, he told me, he wrote to me and said, I think you ought to know that you have soldiers living there in unsatisfactory conditions. And he was absolutely right, and it was rectified. So, you know, I think the, the, the argument of meddling, he didn't meddle. Well, I suppose I could put the counterpoint no, no. to it. Perhaps his meddling was in some ways a good thing, and it's a shame it's now going to have to stop. Well, that, that, that could be true, but it does have to stop, and, and it has. And I, I absolutely assure you that he, he's m- much too conscious and, and well-schooled to breach any of the constitutional limitations. It just won't happen. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Let's rejoin the interview with Nicholas Soames. And in this part of our conversation, he's talking to me about what he makes of the king's relationship with his youngest son, Prince Harry. In respect of Prince Harry, I just think it's the most tragic I mean, I can't put myself in the position where my own son, if he did something like that to me, it would, it would just be the cruelest and one would mind. And, of course, it, it was no different. Of course, the king was very, very sad, tragic. I mean, but as you say, right, we all have families. We, we'll, we've all lived through it. Um, but it, it was a terrible blow. Um, and on Prince Andrew, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, but obviously, I mean, the king is a, uh, a loyal brother and I'm sure we'll try and help him in whatever way he can. But um, it's a very sad state of affairs. But there's, you certainly don't believe that there's any role for him, any public role for Prince Andrew anymore. I can't see one. For Prince Harry, the fact that he is at least going to be present, do you believe, or perhaps you know, whether or not that has brought the king a degree of comfort? Well, I, I, I mean, I, I think it would be a great pity if Prince Harry hadn't come um, to his father's coronation. Um, and he is coming. And I, I, just, you know, I just hope that we can keep all this in proportion. This is the day about the king and the queen, not about Prince Harry. Are you concerned at all that there might be protests on the day? Well, I think almost certain there'll be protests on the day. Um, we live in an age of protest, and you know, I mean, from egg chucking to God knows what. But I mean, I think people 
need to be very careful. You know, I, I, I read in the, all these alarming stories that you've read too. Uh, and I pray that, I, and certainly I think the police who do a wonderful job policing these things and the military together, I hope will ensure that there isn't trouble. But, it, it, you know, it's entirely possible there'll be a lot of Yarburi. Not a lot of it, there'll be... Sort of few voices whose yes. lifeless bodies will be passed to the front of the crowd. <laughs> well, we don't, want, we don't want anyone to be harmed. No, of course not. I mean, that, but what I, I'm saying is, you know, I don't think it's very popular with the crowd. Well, it won't be popular with a large percentage of the no. crowd who do turn out. Yeah. Um, but I, want, I mean, republicanism has never been an especially popular cause in this country. But it does appear to be gaining at the moment. Um, is the king conscious? Well, he must be conscious of that. What does he say about it? I, you know, I've never discussed it with him. Um, and I mean, you know, of course it's been ever-present. I mean, I was reading um, Lady Longford's book about Queen Victoria. There was a tremendous surge of republicanism, actually, in her reign. She became very, eventually became very worried about it. Um, you know, I, I watch these um, people. That, I mean, there are people who are just doing it to draw attention to themselves, and there are others who genuinely believe it's wrong. And, and, and I saw the, the man who runs the anti-monarchy organisation interviewed the other day on the television. I mean, I thought he was talking absolute rubbish, but it's very well put, and um, clearly will have support. This is, I, I think, Mr Smith from Mr. Republic. Mr Smith, yeah. of the, of the, uh, I can't remember what it's called. Which again, is called Republic. Republic. It's called Republic. Republic. So, you know, and they're, they're perfectly, it's a free country and they're perfectly entitled to do it. I hope they just temper it and, and, and don't do anything silly. So you, you definitely don't believe that this is the last coronation? No, I don't believe this is the last coronation. And I think that each, um, each member, each king, each monarch has always done this job in their own way. It has evolved the job. And I think that the king understands very well about the importance of his... And he has very good connections with people. I was watching the other day where there were a lot of young people. He said that he's... How are the young getting... I mean, the young, he has a much better connection with the young than almost anyone I've seen. And I don't... I don't see, you know, people say, well, he lives in a totally different circumstance. Well, he, he doesn't... He, he certainly doesn't live in a council house. But I don't think that any monarch has ever come to the country, ever come to the throne, knowing as much about people and lives. And you look what the Prince's Trust has done. It wasn't created out of the blue just for a sort of jaunt. It's helped over a million people. I, I've totally, and I've, I've met and interviewed people who've yeah. been helped by the Prince's Trust, but it would be ridiculous if I didn't just make the point that he doesn't just not live in a council house. He has frankly any number of huge homes at his disposal and people are bound to find that at times frankly profoundly irritating. But I think that um, I, I'm not sure what the king's arrangements are going to be you know I don't sort of know where you're going to live next week you know I mean <laughs> I mean but he's got plenty to choose from. <laughs> but, but you know he will make the arrangements that are necessary I mean he is he 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 has a, a extraordinary reputation the king for being um he's always sort of portrayed as being very extravagant i think he is stylish but he's also frugal i mean he's very very
careful and and I think you will find there are going to be very big changes in these houses. Oh, well, that's interesting. Give, can then, you give... Well, I, don't, I genuinely don't know. I mean, I only know what I read in the newspapers. I really don't. It's not the sort of thing you sit down and really discuss. I don't mean that. No, I mean, we don't, I've to be fair, it we don't people. ask our friends about how much money they've got, do we, on the whole? <laughs> no, but what I mean is that, for instance, at, um, I know at Balmoral, they are building, I mean, the king intends to use it much more for sort of public duties. Um, and, um, you know, it has wonderful facilities there. He intends many more people to come and see it. And they're making a new sort of visitor centre and everything else to enable that to happen. Um, there have been some very big changes, I know, at Sandringham. I mean, he, he is very sensible, the King, and, about this, and, and, um, I, I, and aware of the fact that, as you say, some people don't feel this is, you know, too many houses, too many palaces, but it's not true, actually. Can we just have a, a quick word about the Queen, because we haven't, I'm conscious yes. that I haven't mentioned a Queen... A, a, the Queen concert I'm talking about now, not the late Queen. I mean, there are many people who um, I think she herself might say that she would be surprised to find herself in this position on May the 6th. What, what would you say about that? I think it's been a jolly long, hard journey. Uh, all I can say is that uh, I'm, I, I cannot tell you how wonderful it is when you have two old friends who are clearly in love with each other, clearly make each other very happy, and have ended up happy in their lives. It doesn't happen to everyone. No one set out at an early stage to make anything go wrong ever. But as it is, it's turned out well. And I think that she has done, uh, I think the Queen has done a really admirable job. And she's, you know, she, she will do an admirable job because she's a completely straightforward person. I mean, what you see is what you get. And someone said, thank God for someone who likes a fag and a pint. But do you know what I mean? I mean, she, one, of, one of her greatest, um, one of her greatest um, qualities, I think, is her, her authenticity. She's absolutely straightforward. I mean, you, what you see, as I say, is what you get. So in terms of her relationship with Prince Harry, would you say that she tried? She tried her best? I'm sure she did. But, you know, I, this is not territory on which I have ever strayed. So, uh, well, that's interesting in itself, I guess. Because no, no, because I, I you know, um, I just haven't. And, because and you feel you couldn't? No, because I, I wouldn't. I'm interested in that, um, because I suppose that uh, we all, I'm fortunate to have some very, very no, but good there friends. Are things that but, we don't well, that's about. what I was trying to, like, is that a difference? I mean, yeah. there's a difference between this, this friendship, this clearly very long standing friendship yeah. with the king, but it does have certain boundaries. Well, you know, all friendships have boundaries. Um, and, and there are things that you that I, I have I have never discussed with the king, and but of course I wouldn't. I mean, if the king wanted to talk to me about it, I'd be very happy to do so. But it, it, all I know is how deeply hurtful it has been, and it was to him. Of course, it was hurtful. You could see it written all over his face. You and put oneself in his position. It's just painful beyond words. But with a bit of luck and a following wind, you never know. And as the great day approaches, um, what, in, what do you do to, to a friend of yours who's going to become a king or going to be crowned the next day or in the coming days? Do you ring them up? Do you send them a card? What, what, do, what do you do? What's the etiquette here? Well, there's no etiquette. I mean, it's no secret. I'm not a, I'm not, I am entirely partial in this conversation. 
I love him and admire him very, very much indeed. All you can do, I think, to friends, like your friends or my friends or any of our friends, and they're not different, is to be loyal to them and supportive of them. I shall write him a letter before the coronation, uh, wishing him bon chance. I mean, what a moment. He's been crowned in the same Abbey Church as was William the Conqueror. I mean, it's a whole sort of cathartic moment for the history of this country. and It's a hell of a moment. In the same way that I think we all both know that the Queen had real backbone and real... And you could see that at our own coronation, 26 years old. And he is the same. He has a backbone. And he will do it very well. Nicholas Holmes, on what you do when a friend of yours who's been knocking around in your life for decades suddenly finds himself in the position of being crowned in a coronation. Uh, and it would seem that you write a letter fee, which is something I think you'd do to me if you found out that I was in line for... Yeah? Yes, well, I thought that was a very interesting I your part attention of was taken well, away well, there, wasn't it? only because the police have arrived. They have arrived. And they're searching through everything, including bags of rubbish, and actually I'm very heartened to see that. Yes. Um, I was very interested in that part of the interview because I, it really made me think, Jane, because King Charles is a member of the royal family, that means he can't talk about his son. And I think, actually, what uh, Nicholas Soames was trying to convey was something that you and I would understand all too well, which is just that a lot of people find it incredibly difficult to talk about the really, really bad stuff that has happened in their family. Yeah. And, you know, I've got really close friends, Jane, who I've known for the whole of my life, uh, who we don't always discuss everything that's going wrong in each other's families. because no, you can't. No, and if they don't bring it up, I don't bring it up, because that isn't my place. And, you know, I am a common person, not a royal person. So, you know, that notion that's kind of like, he must be, you know, it must be a very incredibly difficult family, mm. really, really dysfunctional family, mm. for that to have happened and to not be able to talk about it. I don't think that's true. I think we could probably just get rid of the word dysfunctional and just call it a family. Yes. Oh, no, <laughs> so definitely. Because it's like everybody else. Definitely, yeah. So the police seem satisfied, um, which is good, but they have... <coughs> you so can't get a goal. Perhaps you won't be well enough for Saturday. I'll have to do it on my own. Go to home and rest. Well, no. And if you don't it. recover, it's all right. <laughs> I'll be okay. I think I need to trace the brand of COVID that I had three weeks ago, oh, love. <laughs> comes um, back to you. Yeah, I didn't spread it. <laughs> anyway, I've been the source of much mirth today because of my very focals changing and becoming sunglasses. It's been much mocked, and I've pointed out to various people that it's because my optician told me I had sensitive eyes and I had to have these glasses. Okay, if nobody can get to social media to see a picture of Jane, all you have to do is think of who was the guy in EastEnders married to Pat? Frank. Mike, Mike Reed. Yes. You horrible woman. <laughs> Frank Butcher. Those are his glasses. They are. Currently, if I eat any more of Henry Bird's cake, I'll have Frank Butcher's figure. But anyway, right. Okay, everybody. Uh, from the heart of the coronation capital of the United Kingdom, um, we wish you a very good evening. You did it. 
elite listener status for you for getting through another half hour or so of our whimsical ramblings, otherwise known as the hugely successful podcast Off Air with Jane Garvey and Fee Glover. We miss the modesty class. <laughs> our Times Radio producer is Rosie Cutler, the podcast executive producer. It's a man, it's Henry Tribe. Yeah, he's an executive. Now, if you want even more, and let's face it, who wouldn't, then stick Times Radio on at three o'clock Monday until Thursday every week and you can hear our take on the big news stories of the day as well as a genuinely interesting mix of brilliant and entertaining guests on all sorts of subjects. Thank you for bearing with us and we hope you can join us again on Off Air very soon. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.